EHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's Calabaloo, you ask? Magic, from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been around my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from people Names, who characters, are... places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events or locales or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Bonnie. That, folks, obviously was my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players, Judy McMahon, Bonnie DeForest, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, and myself, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town, welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. When neighbors don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. This time on KB Cabaret, we feature the music of Patricia Silverberg and a selection of pieces based on true stories with guest performer Kate Murray. Welcome to our time to KB Cabaret. The Bird. Years ago, my parents, bless their hearts, decided to go on a trip. It was a nice break for them and for us. My husband and I were thrilled when they announced the news. We're going on a trip. Yes, for three weeks. Wow, that's wonderful. Yes. What are you so thrilled about? Nothing, nothing. So where are you going? Yes, where are you going? To Spain, Austria, and Hungary. Your mother wanted to go to Hungary. Hungary's nice. Hey, you seen one church, you seen them all. Nice. We have a favor to ask you, dear. Yes, mother, we will take care of the house. No, dear, that's not it. I want you to take care of Perry, your parakeet. Oh, sure, Mom. I'll come over and feed him. No, you're not going to feed that thing here. You're taking it back to your house. Yes, what he means, dear, is Perry needs to be around family. No, I mean that thing is filthy. No, he's not 50. He's only three. He just would be lonely all day long. So we brought Perry home to our house. Now, don't get me wrong. I like animals, but taking care of pets is a responsibility, especially other people's pets. Eight days in and all was well. I took care of Perry like a boss. Oh, Perry, I found some diabiscuits for you. Perry, want a cracker? I saw Perry laying down in his cage. Never saw him do that before. He must have had a stressful day. So I went about my business in the kitchen. Honey, what's wrong with Perry? Nothing. He's resting. On the bottom of his cage? Isn't that a little bit weird? It never occurred to me that birds sleep on their perch, that they don't lay down on the floor of their cage. What? I, I never had a bird when I was growing up. Well, that little SOB decided to drop dead on my watch. I panicked. What should we do? Bury it. 
I can't bury it. Mother would want to be at the burial. Really? You know, Mother, she would want to write a eulogy and everything. I can't take that platform away from her. But what will we do with a dead bird for two more weeks? Put it in the freezer. In the freezer? Yes! Where are the Ziplocs? So for two weeks, Perry remained in the freezer in between the frozen turkey breast and the frozen carnival pistachio ice cream. When the parents came back from their trip, I did not expect their reaction. Oh, you! Why would I want to see a frozen dead bird? Only an idiot would think of something like that. I'm sorry, I thought the burial for your special family member would be important. It's only a bird, for God's sake. She's such an idiot. So my husband and I decided we would bury poor Perry the parakeet the next day. In the morning, we got up early and were ready to dig his grave when Howard looked out the window. Uh, honey, did you look outside? No, what's wrong? And there it was, over a foot of snow. Apparently, we had a blizzard overnight. Perry remained in our freezer for the next four months, right in between the frozen turkey breast and the frozen carnival pistachio ice cream, since no one wanted to open the freezer that snowy, harsh winter. In the spring, we buried Perry and bought a new side-by-side refrigerator. We never did eat that turkey. KB Cabaret presents Bree Harvey's Splash Mountain. Visiting lands of make-believe takes us away from everyday realities. Two years ago, I took my seven-year-old son to visit one of the ultimate lands of make-believe in Anaheim, California, Disneyland. We invited his 14-year-old cousin, Sam, to join us. This way, they could go on all the fast rides together, while I would have a pleasant drink by the bar. No, Mommy, please, my son Brian whined. Please ride with us on Splash Mountain, Mommy, please. At the age of 38, I felt I was too old for this But like a moron, I was cajoled and dragged into line of Disney belief. Over 500 people were waiting to visit these furry little animals of Splash Mountain. 60 minutes of waiting time from this point, the sign said. I looked up a huge 84-foot earthen-colored cement mountain with a sense of impending doom in the pit of my stomach. Splash Mountain, I recall, was based on a Disney film called Song of the South, which was a collaboration of short stories, Uncle Remus, Br'er Rabbit, and Tar Baby. I used to read those stories to Brian countless numbers of times. My son even developed that rendition of the Hillbill Twang. (laughs) Now, after 40 minutes, we were coming up to the warehouse part of the ride. The rows were formed into mazes so that 500 people were handled with utmost coordination. As we entered the dimly lit warehouse, I had to adjust my eyes to these new surroundings. There was a pleasant relief of coolness on our sweaty backs thanks to the air conditioning. California's sun can be ruthless in August. Zip! Zippity doo da, zippity a. My oh my, what a wonderful day! Was blaring from the amplifiers within the boxes above. The huge rooms were stacked with crates plastered with quotes from the stories of Uncle Remus, scrawled with yellowish caulk. 
I'm gonna get you, Brer Rabbit, if it's the last thing I do. As we were moving closer to the ride, the sayings became more urgent. Stay away from that old laughing place, or you'll end up rabbit stew. Zippity-doo-dah was now louder and more impending. During the most haunting doo-dah, the transport vehicle rolled downstream toward us. I reluctantly took a seat with the obviously naive boys in the rustic brown nine-seater log, and we embarked on our journey of foretold doom. Unexpectedly, we arrived into a tranquil forest of lush green foliage and multicolored flowers, azure sky, a crisp, clear, babbling brook full of joyous little critters, bunnies, piggies, geese, country bears, and bluebirds of happiness singing in festive harmony. How do you do? A mighty pleasant greeting. How do you do? Say it when you're meeting. How do you do? I'm leaning back on this pretty little log, the boy sitting in front of me, and I'm a-thinking, this is sweet, not scary as I imagined. I could forget all my troubles, forget all my cares in such a tranquil place. As I'm lulled in this utopian fantasy for about two minutes, we come across a mean old nasty bear setting up a trap for poor Br'er Rabbit. I'm gonna make some rabbit stew. <laughs> he menacingly chuckles. The lights are now starting to fade from the comforting sunshine to a more sinister, shadowy darkness. The little mommy daddy, along with the baby bunnies, huddled up together, saying in a more anxious tone, What can poor Br'er Rabbit do to keep from becoming rabbit stew? At this point, I'm starting to get a mighty bit anxious myself because my lulling log is climbing up a steep 45-degree angle hill, heading into a deeper, darker forest chock full of little furry, worried rodents all around me. Ahead, I hear giggling. How can the boys possibly think this is funny? I wince as my knuckles were turning white from holding on to dear life. A miserable mama bunny on the right side of the hill foretells our impending doom. Stay away from the old laughing place or you'll end up rabbit stew. We reach what I think is the apex, only to look down at a steamy, gloomy purgatory of briar patch. My senses have only a few split seconds to realize that my little boys and I are about to plunge 52 and a half feet. Ah, we're gonna die! I yell out, my heart in my larynx, as a bright flash erupts in my face. Fortunately, we didn't meet our maker as I had expected. We just got soaked. Zippity-doo-dah is now blasting joyously at full force. Cheerful geese in fancy bright dresses welcome our return from hell. My son and his cousin are laughing and smiling, pointing out our drenched attire. As I climb out of the water-soaked log, I try to unglue my wet hair and my clothes from my person. That was awesome, Mom, my seven-year-old says, jumping up and down. May we buy the picture that they took of us coming down the mountain? Sam asked politely, pointing toward a vendor's booth. So... The flash I saw was not my life passing by after all. It was a smart capitalist ploy by the marketers of Kodak. 
They actually had the nerve to sell back our own 8x10 images for $19.95, not including tax or frame. Why the boys in the photo look semi-elated in a masochistic sort of way, I look like I had witnessed a tragic homicide, mainly my own. I was humiliated. I swore never, never to go back on a ride like that again. I'm too old for this. <clears throat> a small voice rang out, two little words that stamped my fate. Mom, please. That day, we ended up going back seven more zippity doo da times. I was gonna die. I would like to welcome Patricia Silverberg to our show this week. Patricia has been gracious enough to grant us a phone interview all the way from Arizona, where that's where she lives. Uh, Patricia, welcome to our show. Your music seems to have a deep, rich soul type of um, sound to it also has connections to feelings of your own life, I believe. This, uh, the songs that we're going to be hearing today are all from your 2012 album, Don't Look Back. Tell me a little bit about your musical background. I began playing guitar when I was about three or four or five. I'm not exactly sure. My older brother got a guitar and he didn't want to play it. So I started picking it up and just making noise with it, and eventually took his little music books and matched up the notes with the strings and learned that way. Um, and then we had a little so-called garage band, but we lived in New York City, so we didn't actually have a garage. <laughs> so we just practiced in our bedroom, and I got to play the drums. So it was my sister, my brother, and myself. And then um, I started playing more guitar, and in high school, um, we had formal lessons, and I learned guitar theory, um, you know, different... Uh, my teacher was classically trained. We learned, you know... Um, I already knew how to read basic music, because I was also in school bands, too, um, playing drums. But um, I learned more about chord theory and chord structure and finger-picking and um, more formal... Um, education. And then my undergrad was in theater, so I took uh, voice with um, people who worked on Broadway. My first voice teacher was the first female conductor on Broadway. She did, I think, Chicago and um, Camelot and some other shows. And then I studied at HB Studios, also in New York City, with Elizabeth Hodes. Um, there's a lot of cabaret acts, you know, continued with guitar, and then I moved out here, really wasn't doing much with it, and then just started doing open mics, and, um, you know, everything just started coming together. I was walking around my guitar one day, and someone asked me to do some gigs, and I did, and it just took off from there, and now I'm studying classical, um, I'm studying classical piano, um, so it's enforcing even more of my theory and stuff because, yeah, I can actually, as opposed to a lot of musicians here, I can compose music more than just doing three-chord songs. 
Um, if you listen to my songs, I've used a lot of different chord variations, like sevens and suspended and alternate bases. Um, you know, it really takes the time to craft my music. So the song that we are going to be hearing always there, um, what is this about? What inspired you? Always there is a song I actually wrote when I was much younger. Um, I think I just finished undergrad school and I was learning classical guitar. Oh, my, my teacher in high school taught us classical guitar. And um, it had a very intricate guitar pick. Because if you listen to it, it only has three chords. But what I had done with it was make it really fancy. But in order to make that more of a pop-type song or a folk song, I had to cut that down, put it in a traditional time. Um, and then, but I kept the, the chorus um, has unusual, uh, unusual chord progression in it. And it's just about someone, you know, who I really loved and they left your life and just trying to be positive about it. And yeah, it's actually one of the simpler songs I've written. You were the one who was strong When life had all gone wrong You understood how I feel I knew the words I would hear You were always there
To hear the rest of this show, download our new KB Cabaret app. There you will be able to hear all of our new shows, our archive shows, and find the multitude of recipes that our chef extraordinaire has created just for you. You will find our app on Google Play, iTunes, Amazon, or Burberry. Just search for KB Cabaret. That's K B K A B A R E T. We love having you stop by, and thank you for listening to KB Cabaret.